Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. As always, you can support the show and get months worth of bingeable content over at patreon.com backslash Pod. There is a link in our show notes and membership start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. Now, on to today's case. The case we are doing today is tragic on a lot of levels. I just want to warn everyone ahead of time. In addition to a brutal crime, this story includes instances of inequality in our United States justice system and how those injustices harm a family and almost allow three people to get away with murder, kidnapping, and child abuse. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of layers here. I didn't realize how deep this story went when I picked it. And so just buckle up. It's going to be, it's going to be a moment. Today we are going to Chicago, Illinois in April 2019. Chicago is the third most populous city in the United States, beating Houston by around 300,000 residents as of 2020. For the census, that is, uh, not the pandemic. (laughs) Although that might have played a role, I don't know. You never know. But I just want to say we're coming for you, Chicago. I wanted to note as a side note that I've been conditioned to see Chicago as a competitor to Houston because I worked for an online newspaper that kind of pitted us against each other because it's a national publication that tried to do like local papers and they picked Houston and Chicago for their pilot project. So there was a lot of encouragement to have drama with the other city. And so the biggest drama was actually when Chicago tried to claim that they had better Mexican food and steaks, which was like an affront to us. We kind of lost it and we're like, um, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. That's not a thing. There's no way that you could beat us at that. We are Houston and we are willing to concede pizza. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that you have better pizza than New York, Chicago, because if we're all being honest, New York is better. But you'd probably beat us. Like, we don't even have our own style of pizza. Yep. So we'll concede that. That's true. But we're keeping the tacos. That's right. We're keeping the tacos. Anyway, Chicago is a really cool city with lots of fun stuff to do. As an improv performer, I have to admit their improv scene rocks. And I probably would live in Chicago, even though every time I see it, I'm like, grrr. (laughs) Old habits die hard, I guess. That's true. Same thing with Dallas. Old habits, they die hard. In 2019, 19-year-old Marlon Ochoa Lopez lived in Chicago with her husband, 20-year-old Giovanni Lopez, and their 3-year-old son, Joshua. The couple were also expecting a new baby to arrive soon. The young couple married in 2017 as teens, and it appears that this might be because their families are very religious, and that might be why they decided to get married so young. By all accounts, though, they were a very happy couple and enjoyed being young parents. 
Her father, Arnolfo Ochoa, called Marlon a, quote, young dreamer with a big future, unquote. She was very much loved by all of her family and a whole bunch of friends. They just were over the moon for Marlon. She attended classes at Latino Youth High School, during which three-year-old Joshua attended daycare. She and her husband were building a life for themselves and looked forward to the arrival of their new baby. That's awesome. However, money was tight in the Lopez household. The young family lived with Marlon's mother, Raquel Urio Stugi, but still struggled to make ends meet. So when a fellow mother-to-be that Marlon met on Facebook offered her free baby clothes, she felt lucky. As a new mother, she was definitely going to need these items for her baby. The woman said that the baby clothes belonged to her daughter, who had two baby showers and just received too many items to use. She kind of presented it as a paying it forward thing where her daughter knew that she was blessed that two different people threw her baby showers. And so she wanted to share the love with another mother who was more in need than she was. And so this sounded really great to Marlon. And so Marlon arranged to meet this new internet friend at the woman's home on the southwest side of Chicago. Unfortunately, as you are probably figuring out, this woman was not a good-hearted person selling items that she did not need anymore, or in this case, giving away items that she did not give any that she did not need anymore. This woman was 46-year-old Clarissa Figueroa, and she had a secret. Uh-oh. In October 2018, Clarissa Figueroa announced a surprise pregnancy to her family. In December of that year, which was 2018, she shared her ultrasound photo showing it off like a proud mother-to-be, and so everyone believed that she was pregnant. Her entire family excitedly awaited the arrival of Figueroa's baby. All over her Facebook page, she posted about her upcoming due date and shared pictures of a decorated baby nursery, and of course, herself showing off a rounded belly. She said that she was going to name the baby after her recently deceased son, Xander. Tragically, her late son passed away from natural causes earlier in 2018. That's really tragic. Yes. I'm not sure what natural causes could take a child this... I mean, he was in his 20s, I believe. I don't know how you die of natural causes at that age. I don't either. But he did. He was one of four adult children that Clarissa Figueroa had, and... Obviously, she was not taking it well. I know having just lost my mom and my grandmother, losing someone this close to you is hard. And I feel like it's harder with a child. Like, that's like the epitome of sad. And so, clearly, she's going through some stuff. But what she's about to do is not justified by the fact that she is going through a trauma. Absolutely. Because, as you have likely guessed by now, Figueroa was not actually pregnant. For months, she'd misled her family into thinking that she was. As it turns out, though, she couldn't even get pregnant because she had had a tubal ligation, which is a form of female sterilization commonly called getting your tubes tied. Yep. So she literally could not even have a baby. Weirdly, though, either no one knew about this or they thought maybe it was just a fluke because people really didn't seem to doubt the pregnancy. Later on, her two twin daughters who were adults that weren't very close to her would say that they had some questions, 
But they still accepted this story. I mean, I guess when someone tells you they're pregnant, you don't immediately doubt them. Yeah, I mean, I guess your your first reaction is not, oh, you're lying or prove it. Yeah. Right? Um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah, like if you knew that she had had, you know, this operation, then I, I think obviously you would have some... You have some questions. Just a few questions. Yeah, for real. Maybe a lot of questions. (laughs) But regardless, she had sold this as the truth. And she told everyone that her baby's due date was in May. And this is May of 2019. Now, she had to produce a baby. I want to note here again that she already had adult children and actual grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of wild that she wanted to raise another child with her current partner, who is younger than her. Her current partner is 40 years old, or at the time he was 40. She's 46. But it just kind of seems wild that, like, she's so consumed with this idea that she needs to raise this baby. Yeah. She already has kids and growing kids. Like, I'm just, maybe I'm just not understanding it. To solve her problem of needing the baby, Figueroa went online. Now, you can't exactly purchase a baby off the internet, or at least not the regular internet. It's not an easy task to do. Right. But you can connect with mothers who are due around the same time as you are, or at least as you say you are. Yeah. She started looking for a mother with a baby due in May. And as part of her search, in a Facebook group called Help a Mother Out, she posted, quote, Who is due in May? Where is the May mom is at? Unquote. Yeah. Also, that seems very sus. That's extremely suspicious, yeah. But this post is where she first met Marlon, who responded to the post. At the time, Marlon was just around seven months pregnant, and she was due on, I believe it was May 5th. Now, I just want to point out that Marlon is an actual teenager who is still in high school. She's 19, but she hasn't quite graduated yet. And so it seems like she's exactly who would just kind of like casually post on this and not see anything suspicious. Yeah. Because she hasn't like lived long enough to realize that this lady seems weird. Right. Exactly. During their conversations, Figueroa told Marlon all about the new baby clothes that she could pass on and said that if Marlon was interested, she could DM her and they could talk about it further. In fact... Figueroa also commented on multiple posts that Marlon had made. And later on, somebody who's in the group would start to realize that it seemed kind of weird that Figueroa seemed to always comment on anything that Marlon posted. Yeah. And that there was this exchange going back and forth between them. Yeah, kind of some e-stalking going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, in addition to looking for a mother due in May, on her own time, Figueroa researched how to strangle someone. Oh, no. Yeah, just normal things that you research. Yeah, everybody Googles that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm too afraid to Google it, even though I'm not going to do it, even for the podcast. Sometimes I'll be like, I don't really want to Google this thing that I need to Google, because I don't want the government over here trying to be like, why are you Googling this? Mm-hmm. I have a true crime podcast. I don't want to commit the crimes. <laughs> but right. sometimes there's a couple things where I've been like, I really want to know this, but I'm not Googling it. Yeah, because like the last thing you want is like something awful happens and the police are like, so you've searched for how to strangle somebody. Yeah. You know, you search for this and that and the other thing. And you're like, there's an innocent explanation, I swear. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just worried about watch lists. I'm convinced that watch lists exist. I mean, they clearly, obviously do. I'm sure they do exist. And I don't want to Google something crazy. Although, how do these people not end up on watch lists before they commit murders? Maybe that this is actually a clue that there aren't watch lists. Because how many times have we done something where someone researched something like this and they still had time to do the murder? So, I guess... Whoever's spying on us is bad at it. Yeah, maybe watch lists are not as effective as we like to think. Mm-hmm. Like they're like post-watch lists. Yeah. Who knows? Well, that is what she was doing. She was looking up information about how to strangle someone. On April 1st, 2019, Marlon went to Figueroa's home, presumably to get these baby clothes. This home was located at the 4100 block of West 77th Place in Chicago. And the houses that are in this area are pretty small, the one that they were in is a tiny two-bedroom, one-bathroom, mid-century modern house. It's really cute, though. There's, like, a lot of mid-century modern houses on this street. They're all very small, and they have, like, brick fronts with kind of accents, like white accents and stuff. So, super cute houses, even though they are small. When Marlon arrived at Figueroa's home, she and her 24-year-old adult daughter, Desiree, were waiting for her. Earlier that day... Figueroa had told Desiree about her awful plan. She asked Desiree to help her kill a pregnant woman and steal her baby. What? Oh my yes. god, I cannot imagine if somebody asks me to help them with that. Mm-hmm. I... Mm-hmm. The answer that you should say is no. Yeah. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. A paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Exactly. The, mm-hmm. the answer you should say is, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom yes. and then call a cop. Exactly. Now, initially, Desiree did say no. She also told her boyfriend what her mom had asked her, and he was appalled by the request and had a normal human reaction to it. He was like, no, that is terrible. Why would she do that? According to Desiree's boyfriend, who was at the home that day during this whole exchange, The mother and daughter brought Marlon down to the basement. He also went down to the basement. The three women and the boyfriend were all there together, and the boyfriend told police that Clarissa and Desiree Figueroa both seemed really nervous and fidgety once Marlon arrived. On multiple occasions, mother and daughter went off into another room alone together, And more concerningly, he noticed that Desiree appeared to be shaking. Now, this boyfriend is kind of a hero because he's not going down for that. So he went and told Desiree that if anything happened to Marlon, he was calling the police. Period. The end. And with this threat looming, the Figueroas let Marlon leave unharmed. Well, that's good, right? Yes. Now, you might be wondering why didn't the boyfriend call the police later? Well, he has a really good excuse because, if you recall, it was April 1st. And Desiree told him that this had all been an April Fool's joke, that they never intended to hurt her, and they were just messing with him. 
Wow, that's a messed up April Fool's joke. I know. Though. Well, it wasn't an April Fool's joke. I, I know, but if Spoilers. it was, if it was, that would still be awful. Right? I know it's really awful, and also maybe maybe question the situation. But I should note also that it's not clearly spelled out in a lot of the sources about this case. But Desiree was actually pregnant at the time, and the implication is that the baby's father was her boyfriend, and so this is his pregnant girlfriend who's doing this. So it's not like he can just leave. Like, I feel like if I were dating someone and they told me they were going to murder someone and they were like, ha ha, just kidding. I would just break up with them. Just being honest with you. I'm not going to be with someone who thinks that that is funny. But if your person is pregnant, I mean, you can't just leave. I mean, you can, but it's really hard. And then she has his baby and like all that stuff. So I, I think it's harder for him to not just stay in this situation, especially considering that there's reason to believe with it being April 1st, it really could just be an April Fool's joke. Right. There's a chance that it is actually. Yeah. And she left. He thinks Clarissa's pregnant. So his girlfriend and her mom are pregnant and this other lady's pregnant. Clarissa and this and Marlon are supposed to be due around the same time. He has reason to believe they're joking. Yeah. So unfortunately, despite the fact that they were not able to kill Marlon on April 1st, Clarissa was not about to give up on her plan. And this just gave her more time to work on Desiree. Wow. Yeah. A few weeks later, Clarissa invited Marlon back to her home to pick up more baby supplies. And they scheduled this pickup date for April 23rd. Ironically, that morning, Marlon actually had a labor scare. She texted her husband from school at around 1040 a.m., Worried that she was going into labor. Now, this would have been early. It would have been a couple of weeks early because she wasn't due until, I believe, it was May 5th. So, she's not expecting to go into labor. Right. Her husband, Giovanni, immediately offered to come pick her up and take her to the hospital. But Marlon wanted to wait. And at this time, her husband assumed that she wanted to finish the school day and pick up their three-year-old son before going to the hospital. And so, he just kind of waited to hear from her at first. But unfortunately, she did not message him again. Now, it's unclear if Marlon started to feel better or not. Whether or not she did, she did decide to go ahead with her meeting at Figueroa's house. So it's possible she might have still wanted to go to the hospital later. But it's also possible that maybe she realized she was just having like false labor pains. Because again, it is about two weeks early. So Marlon showed up that day and was greeted again by Clarissa and Desiree. Once they got Marlon inside, they invited her to sit on their couch. As she got comfortable, the Figueroas turned up music, blasting their speakers. Then, they retreated to their kitchen together, leaving Marlon alone. While in the kitchen, the mother and daughter walked through their evil plan to steal Marlon's baby. When they returned from the kitchen, the mother and daughter turned on 19-year-old Marlon. First, Desiree pulled out a photo album full of pictures of her deceased brother, Xander. Then, she sat down next to Marlon to show her the photos. While Marlon was distracted by looking at these photos, Clarissa allegedly crept up behind her a coaxial cable in her hands. I say alleged because this trial was delayed by COVID, but I decided to tell you this story anyway. And trust me, there's going to be compelling evidence. So Clarissa is holding this coaxial cable and she wrapped it around Marlon's neck, allegedly, and squeezed. 
Marlin tried to get her fingers under the cable to pull it away from her neck. And she actually did manage to get some of her fingers like around the cable so that she could pull. But this just made Clarissa mad. And according to court documents, she yelled at her daughter, quote, you're not doing your fucking job, unquote. Wow. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors allege that Desiree then pulled Marlon's fingers from around the cable. Then she allegedly helped hold Marlon down as Clarissa strangled her. And eventually, Clarissa actually climbed on top of Marlon to, to just strangle her with this cord. And as Marlon fought to save her life and her baby's life, the Figueroa's pulled tight, strangling the breath out of her. At one point, she actually reached out and touched their family dog, which has been described by Desiree. And no one knows exactly what this movement was, but maybe she was reaching out for some kind of comfort, you know, just reaching out to the dog. In total, this took about four to five minutes for Marlon to pass. And Clarissa stopped only when she saw that Marlon had urinated on herself because her online research had told her that occurred when a person died from strangulation. Damn, that is cold. Just I so mean, bad. Jesus. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. my God, how unfeeling do you have to be for Jesus? Mm-hmm. I don't... Yeah, a whole monster. Oh, it's going to get worse. At the time, Marlon was nine months pregnant. So Marlon is deceased, and after killing her, Figueroa ordered Desiree to collect the items that she needed for her next task, which is stealing the baby. Right. She asked for a blanket, a butcher knife, and a large plastic bag. Clarissa sliced into the teen's stomach with the butcher knife to get to her unborn baby. She pulled the baby from his mother's womb along with the umbilical cord and placenta. Then she allegedly placed the baby, the umbilical cord, and the placenta in a bucket with the cord poking out. Wow. And again, this is in court documents. Jesus. Yes. Mother and daughter kept Marlon's son for themselves, but wrapped Marlon's body in a blanket before discarding it in a large trash bag, which they drug out to the trash can they kept beside their garage. And Marlon would remain there in that trash can for three whole weeks after this murder. What? Yeah. And in case you're wondering how, oh, just wait, because you're going to be even more upset than you are now. After the murder, Figueroa's boyfriend, 40-year-old Peter Bobak, helped mother and daughter cover up the crime by cleaning the home. Although Clarissa had her baby now, well, not her baby, but she had Marlon's baby now, it wasn't exactly a happy ending for her either because the brutal and crude way that this baby had entered the world meant that Marlon's son was dying. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, that can't be a healthy way to get born. Yeah. You know what I mean? The poor little baby had turned blue because he had been deprived of oxygen after his, while his mom was being strangled and then after she had passed away and a psycho was attempting to cut him out of her stomach. Clarissa Figueroa realized that obviously this baby is blue and she decided that she would try to save him and she called di- she dialed 911 to get emergency treatment in the hopes that he would live. She told the dispatcher that she had just given birth on her own and her baby wasn't breathing. First responders arrived at the home to find Clarissa holding a blue little boy. 
again, his umbilical cord and placenta were still attached. Paramedics immediately started working to resuscitate the little baby, and they raced Clarissa and the baby to the nearby Advocate Christ Hospital in Oaklawn for care. When they arrived, doctors found the baby boy had no brain activity. Still, they fought to save his life and moved him to the neonatal ICU. Meanwhile, doctors examined Clarissa to make sure she didn't need any post-delivery care. However, they discovered something suspicious. Although she claimed to have had a baby, doctors discovered that she had not given birth. Surprise, surprise. Wonder upon wonders. Additionally, fun fact, she had a suspicious amount of blood on her hands, arm, and face. Her neighbor actually saw her as she was taken off to the hospital and thought that it was weird that she had blood on her shirt and not on her pants. Yeah. Given that she had just allegedly had a baby in her house. Yep. Weird. Later on, fortunately, some samples of this blood were taken and they would match that blood to Marlon. Now, it's random that they even kept the blood because you would think that these doctors, when they realized she hadn't given birth, would have thought, oh my goodness, this is suspicious. We should call someone. You would think so, yeah. And this would be the end of the line. This is where a lot of dumbass baby stealers get caught is when they have to go to the hospital or they tell people about the baby. Well, turns out the people at Christ, or I'm sorry, Advocate Christ Hospital in Oak Lawn are freaking idiots. And they did not report this. Really? No, they did not report it. Well, yes, to your question, really. They did not report this. How? How? Because mm-hmm. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. that's like the mo- most obvious leap. Yes. Of woman comes with baby mm-hmm. in distress. Woman hasn't given birth. Yep. Call yep. cops. I mean, like yeah. These, these... At least at least child services or something. Right. Because something is amiss. Yeah, something is wrong here. Yes. People don't lie about having just had a baby. I mean, they I, do, I, but I would... they're criminals. Well, yeah. I mean, I, what I'm saying is like normal people. I guess is what yeah. I, is what I mean. Right. Yeah. People who are not committing a crime. Right. Do not lie about having babies. Yeah. Exactly. It's and the fact that I get it that like they might not be the ones to in- investigate, but you call. The police are the Department of Children and Family Services. This is kind of a no-brainer, people. What are you doing? Yeah, for real. Okay, so they don't call. They're just whatevering it. Now, despite the fact they even have the blood, nothing. Although the murder and delivery happened on April 23rd, the Department of Children and Family Services did not actually learn about the issue of the baby's parentage until May 9th which is over two weeks after the murder. And they only learned about it because a mandatory reporter found out at the hospital and called their hotline. Well, and, that's good. Yeah, and DCFS notified the police because they're not stupid. I'm, I just want to end this hospital issue before we continue with the story. There's still a lot more to come. Later on, after all of this case came out, the Illinois Department of Public Health investigated this hospital for not reporting her sooner, but they concluded that they acted in compliance with Medicare rules, which apparently, I guess, suck. However, they did cite the hospital because they did not tell all staff members when the police eventually did become involved. And they didn't tell all staff members that they were investigating Figueroa when they eventually did much later. 
I'm glad they eventually did. I mean, yeah. So just saying, this hospital has its problems. All right, and there's it's just no. I barf. Okay. Meanwhile, across town, Desiree Figueroa was knee deep in a crime scene cover up. She removed Marlon's phone and Marlon's car from her mother's home just in case, because they're probably expecting you know, since she's trying to clean up here and get rid of the evidence, they're probably expecting the cops might check things out right because a normal hospital would have called the police by this point. Yep. So Desiree took the stuff to her sister's home. Now, as it turns out, uh, Desiree was not com- finished committing crimes that day because while disposing of Marlon's car, or I should say moving it, she ran a red light and a red light camera snapped a photo of her driving the teen's car. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, it would take time for that to become relevant, but later on, police would be able to recover that photo when they finally started caring about this case. Later on, they also moved her car back closer to Figueroa's house because eventually the car would end up about half a block away from her home. It's unclear if that's how close the sister lived or if they just moved the car back. Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. When Marlon did not pick up her toddler and return home that day, her husband, Giovanni Lopez, and her entire family began to worry. Lopez called Marlon's mother, Raquel, who thought that maybe Marla went to the hospital. Because if you recall, she had notified her husband earlier in the day that she thought she might have been going into labor. And even though normally her priority would be her three-year-old, they thought that maybe if things got dire with her her you know contractions and stuff, maybe she had just felt like it was best to rush to the hospital to get treatment for her baby that was about to be born. So they called around to all the local hospitals, but they turned up nothing about the missing teen. So, Lopez tried to report Marlon missing that night. Just basically as soon as they found out she wasn't at the hospital, he called the police. Good. But the police told him that that they had to wait 24 hours because she was an adult. Now, hold up, people, because she is a full-term pregnant woman with a baby that she thought was going to be born that day. Like, she told them that morning that she thought she might be going into labor. Plus, she has a three-year-old at daycare that she's never, ever, ever left at daycare. I mean, this is a high-risk person. I mean, they're not supposed to make you wait 24 hours if somebody is like, like if you have depression and you're missing, they look for you right away. If you don't be having a heart attack or if you're at risk for some reason, they look for you right away. She could be bleeding out. Like, even if you don't think a crime is being committed, she could have gone into labor, fallen somewhere, and have be bleeding out on the floor with, like, a baby coming out of her. Yeah, she might have a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. That happens to people, yeah. And they're not looking for her. So, I do want to note here, because this is going to be very relevant, and it's partly why they're not taking this case seri- seriously, is that Marlon and her husband and most of their family well, all their family, speak Spanish as a first language. Ah. And they had immigrated to the United States from Mexico. And this seems to be very much affecting how they are treated by authorities in this case. 
So they try to report her missing and the police are like, you have to come back tomorrow, shrug. Even though, again, even if you don't suspect a crime, it seems highly likely, given the information that we have, that she was having a medical emergency. Exactly. If you're the police. That's what it sounds like. Except for they apparently don't care about that. So the family waited until the next day. Now they they looked for her. They immediately, they continued looking for her. But they, they waited the 24 hours as instructed. And then Lopez was finally able to report Marlon missing. However, police still did not advertise the case for two more days. Why? It's unclear. They won't give a clear answer. A lot of media representatives have asked them this. And all they'll say is that every case is different. But for whatever reason, they decided to wait 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a pregnant girl who is a teenager who is literally, I know she's 19, but she's a high school student who is nine months pregnant, who thought she, who texted someone that she thought she was going into labor on the day that she disappeared. And also did not pick up her son when she was never late. She's a very responsible person. She has disappeared and they're just, they give no fucks. That's just insane. none. That's... It's just, and it gets worse. So the cops are not doing anything. Now the family is still looking. And I just want to point out that the family felt like they were not getting treated fairly by the police because of reasons that are obvious. And they also said that they were having struggles with the fact that the police, whenever they, like they would not, they were not giving any kind of phone numbers of anyone specific to call. Like anyone throughout this entire case, they were never giving like a point person, like a detective or an officer who was like new, going to be updated about their case. Right. They were only given the general phone number to call. And because they spoke Spanish, they were having trouble getting a person that spoke Spanish at the police department. And according to the family, the police department was like, you have to call back to yeah. when the random Spanish person, they wouldn't make an effort yeah, they, to talk to them. They didn't give a shit about it. Yeah. They were like, basically, we don't give a fuck. But for context, I just want to point this out, that Chicago's population is thirty roughly 30% Hispanic. Not quite. It's like 28 point something percent Hispanic. And yes, I'm sure a lot of those people speak English. But when you have a large Hispanic community, you're going to have people who do speak Spanish. And it's absolutely absurd that a, you know, a public service institution doesn't have the ability to talk to them. Yeah. To be understanding. I mean, they don't even have the 9 Day Fiance app. Nothing. That's, you know, I think yeah. about that a lot in some of these cases now. Mm-hmm. Now that I realize that's a, like the app is, I mean, it's relatively good. Yeah, the you know translator I mean? app. I mean, yeah, it has its problems. Yeah. But, but like you can't even use the app to yeah. ask questions or whatever. Right. You can understand people with it. Yeah. And honestly, like, like you were saying, you know, a department as big as Chicago should have somebody that speaks yeah. Spanish or multiple somebodies. <laughs> And they should mm-hmm. be able to service the parts of their community that speak Spanish and don't yeah. speak English. It's it's absurd. I mean, I, I used to work as a teacher. And when you work at a school, you have to be able to either talk to the people depending on, like, the situation. Like, I know a lot of Spanish. Or you use a translator. We would sometimes, if you had a student whose family spoke a language that you didn't know or couldn't access, we would send out a whole district-wide notice asking for someone to translate for the those people 
like just in case someone knew someone. And then also too, like as a failsafe, you also try translation services. I've had a student who was from Brazil and her, she spoke English great, but like, and her parents actually did speak a really good English too, but their first language was Portuguese. So I need to be cognizant of that so I could try to translate some stuff to send her home for tour for her parents when I would be emailing them so that they were able to like read, like have multiple ways to read the information. And I had, I mean, I had a lot of students whose families spoke Spanish at home and you, I mean, you just have to be able to like do your best to communicate with them. And you can't just be like, Oh, well, no communication for you. Exactly. That's not how it works. I mean, I also spent some time working for the government before that. And we had the community that I was working in, in addition to having a lot of Spanish speakers, we also had a lot of Vietnamese speakers. And you have to be able to have the everything translated and have some kind of at least translation service so that they can access these services. You can't just be like, oh, well, right. no services for you. That's not a thing. It doesn't matter how you feel about the situation. You have to be able to, these are people, and you have to be able to treat people well. I don't think that should be a debate. Whether or not you are pro-immigration, which we are here at Bad Axe, whether or not you are or not, it shouldn't matter. You should be treating people well. These are people who need something, and they have rights, and they have, I mean, they're, they're people. Like, why wouldn't you treat them well? I still don't understand that part. Anyway, so this is what's happening in their situation. During a three-week community search, Marlon's family hoped to find her alive. Her parents told the Chicago Tribune that the entire experience left them feeling, quote-unquote, powerless, partially because, again, the police were not helping them. As they searched, I will note, and I'll say this a couple times, the police department disagrees with this version of events and thinks that they tried very hard. And you can draw your own conclusions based on the narrative. I know which side I'm on, which is Marlon's family, but maybe you believe them somehow, despite some things we're going to learn in a little while. As the family searched, they had to deal with crank calls and false leads. Keep in mind that some of the times the family was trying to call and that they were having to use this general line where nobody would talk to them, they were trying to provide information that could help find Marlon. As an example, they had given them screenshots of her conversations with Clarissa Figueroa and had given her, given the police a phone that they had, like her husband had a phone that she had used and he opened it for them and just gave them an unlocked phone for them to search through. And it was hard for them to be able to provide this information because the police weren't like willing to talk with them because of this language barrier. That's awful. Now, unfortunately though, the hits kept coming because... They were still trying to call the hospitals, and one hospital actually mistakenly told the family that there was a patient with Marlon's name in the emergency room delivering a baby by cesarean on April 25th, which was two days after Marlon disappeared. Oh my God. Yeah, and the whole family rushed down there only to be told that there was nobody by that name at the hospital. That's got to be such a gut punch, though, because yeah. like, like the rise of hope that you must feel mm-hmm. only to have it come crashing down. I yeah, mean, because oh, they wow. also thought that she was okay this whole time, that something else was going on because the way that the police were acting and the fact that like they just needed to cling to hope. So they get there and then the hospital told them that like everything was a mistake and there was nobody by that name. And the mom believed, felt like she was being like made fun of. I don't really think that the person was being malicious, but that's how she felt in that moment. That because they'd gotten so many people who were being malicious, that it just felt like they were just being cruel by giving their hopes up like that. 
I can understand why she would feel that way. Yeah. One scammer called and pretended to be a Mexican cartel member who had kidnapped Marlon. And, Dude. Yeah. And demanded $1,000 for her return. And her mother, Raquel, was freaking out. Like, she believed it could be true because, again, they immigrated from Mexico to be safe. They had been in an unsafe situation there. And so she explained to, like, reporters who asked her about this that she thought it could be a legitimate threat because she knew about the cartels and she knew that they were risky. And she was like, I don't know how they got Marlon, but I need to pay for this. But her husband told her that if it really was the cartel, and this is sad, that they would have asked for more money. And so that's how he knew it wasn't the cartel. Which I feel like should tell you something about the danger that they had escaped. That he's like, no, it can't be the cartel. They would have asked for a lot more money. They went to the police anyway to find out if they could help. And the police were like, it's a scam. Which it was a scam. But still. Man, that that it blows me away. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there's a special place in hell for the dude mm-hmm. who called with that scam. Yeah, Aaron doesn't even believe in hell. But Aaron's like, I believe in hell now. Like, I don't believe in hell, but if there was a hell, I hope that he is there. <laughs> he's there. It's like, if I'm wrong, yeah, I hope he's Yeah, just in case, Aaron's yeah. like, I have drawn this. Yeah. Aaron's, like, what, like layers of hell. What is it? Dante's Inferno's. What, is the, yeah, what are they called? The, the nine circles of yeah, hell. Yeah, the circles of hell. Like, yeah. Aaron's circles of hell. <laughs> it's like, scammers who call the crime victims. It's like, far in there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 beyond just the, even the crime victim part. It's like, considering the situation. Yeah, it's I, all bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, how heartless do you one, have to be? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yes. Oh. It's just terrible. So, yeah. this person's a bad person. We don't know who that person is, but they're terrible. Then on May 2nd, Marlon's family decided to hold a press conference to ask for her safe return. Because at this point, again, they still thought that she was somewhere. And they had decided after all this time, it's been like nine or ten days, they thought maybe that someone was holding her against her will. Because they, like no one had found like a body or anything. And they, no one had heard from Marlon. And so they thought, well, she's due on May 5th. Maybe someone kidnapped her and is just waiting for the baby to be born. Like, it hadn't occurred to them that a psycho would try to cut out the baby. They were like, they're just holding her in a house. They're waiting for the baby to be born naturally. And that's their plan. And so they went on news hoping that whoever was doing this would see them and let Marlon go. Following this press conference, a social worker who talked at the the conference and who had met Marlon at her school told authorities that somebody came forward with a clue. Somebody sent her screenshots of the posts between, of like the conversation on Facebook between Marlon and Clarissa Figueroa. This is the one I was telling you about earlier that someone had realized this is really suspicious. Yeah. And so she sent it to this social worker and the social worker is the one who alerted police. Now it's important to note the family says that they told the police early on, like right away about these ish, this issue with Figueroa and also they had given the police her this phone that they had. Yeah. They and now I know that it can't be like her only phone because she had a phone with her that day that she had texted her husband on. But according to the family, this phone had like her info and stuff on it. Like it was one that she used that they were able to get stuff from. Yeah. So like this was something that they should have been able to access her Facebook through. Yeah. And yet police didn't do anything with this info until the social worker brought it to him about two weeks later. Police followed the trail directly to Figueroa's doorstep, finally, about two weeks after Marlon's murder. However, Desiree answered the door, 
and told officers that her mother wasn't at home because she was in the hospital after delivering a baby. If you recall, the baby boy was on life support because of the fact that a psycho cut him out of his mother's womb after murdering his mother. And there are pictures of said psycho, Clarissa Figueroa, leaning over the baby in the NICU and smiling. Wow. She's freaking messed up. And her boyfriend was also there. And her boyfriend knows damn well what happened. He's been helping clean up the murder scene this entire time. Which is disappointing because he started off so well. Yeah, no, this is a different boyfriend. Oh, no, the okay. boyfriend that was, sorry, the boyfriend that was Desiree's boyfriend that stopped the murder originally, he's no longer in the story, aside from just being the f- father of her baby, presumably. Clarissa Figueroa, the mother, the psycho one, her boyfriend is a different dude. His name is Peter, he's 40 years old, and he is helping clean this up. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry, I can see why that is confusing. So, this guy... These two, even though they spent a lot of time at the hospital with the baby, because again, the baby was in the NICU, they weren't there the whole time because unbeknownst to police, because they suck, Clarissa and her boyfriend, Peter, began cleaning up Marlon's blood the day after the murder. And they were still cleaning it up weeks later because I don't know if it's because they're lazy little bitches or if it's because there was just that much crime scene. Yeah, I mean, cleaning, we know from doing this podcast that cleaning up bodies Mm -hmm. and crime scenes is hard. Yes. And I imagine this was a pretty bloody crime scene considering that they cut Mm -hmm. a baby out of the victim, out of a person, yeah. Yeah. So there had to have been, like, a shitload of blood, I'm I'm imagining. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like, you probably need Mm -hmm. a lot of bleach to clean that up. Yes. But... I mean, clearly they weren't in a hurry and it didn't Yeah, because nobody freaking called the cops. Yeah, because the cops didn't investigate for two weeks. They, they, they could yeah, take their time. They were probably like, yep. this is fine. Like, we have all this time to chill. Yeah, because like I was going to say, they didn't even start cleaning it up until the next day. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, yeah, Desiree <laughs> you know I mean? did some stuff, but I guess well, she's yeah. not going to clean up the blood. Well, yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, <sighs> honestly, if you wanted to get away with something, you better have yeah. it cleaned up in like 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah. You ain't or, got time for that. I feel like this is the perfect time for our coined catchphrase from several episodes ago that I got stickers from, which is no, no crime, crime, no body. body. Yep. Yes. I know a lot of people say, and as Taylor Swift's song goes, no body, no crime, because people will dispose of a body and then be like, what crime? And it's hard to prosecute with nobody. But if you don't commit crimes, guess what? No body disposal. Win-win. It's a (laughs) win-win for everyone. Just don't commit crimes. Anyway, so they had been cleaning this up. And also, this isn't even the the most despicable. Actually, all of this is despicable. The murder part was the most despicable. But they also did something else terrible. Because not only was Figueroa still claiming the baby boy as hers... But her boyfriend, Peter Bobak, has started a GoFundMe to help pay for the baby's medical treatment and eventual funeral. As part of this GoFundMe, he included a picture of the little baby in the ICU. Damn. They have a GoFundMe for the baby they stole from the woman that they murdered. That is... What is even wrong with you? Yeah, what the hell? What the hell? Like, I don't even know how, but when I got to that part, I was like, are you kidding me? I know that's not even the worst part. It just feels like it is because you're already mad. And then you get to that and you're like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, the gall to try to do something like that. Like, who does this? And yes, all of these crimes are alleged, but they are the ones who posted the GoFundMe and included a picture of the baby and also have pictures of themselves 
with the baby that they're claiming as their own. And also, again, if you recall, have the baby's murdered mother in their trash can still. And all of her blood all over their house. So their alleged crimes, make of this what you will. Like, interpret the evidence as you feel suit, you suit it. As I have also. Okay, okay, so... I'm getting like really <laughs> off of my, my like little notes that I make for myself because I'm just so mad. Okay, so the police go and they talk to Figueroa and she claimed that Marlon did not come to her house that day. However, a curious piece of evidence undermined this story because the police spotted Marlon's car parked about half a block from Figueroa's home. I do want to note that the car was not originally located by police. It was actually located by a private investigator that the family hired to look for Marlon because the police sucked so badly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like almost immediately when the family was having so much trouble from the police, they ended up hiring a private investigator who was bilingual. They might be multilingual. I don't know. But they for sure speak both English and Spanish. And this person is the one who had been investigating the crime and turning up leads. Now, the police department spokesperson did want everyone to know that he felt terrible. That the family felt that they had to hire this private investigator. He denies that the police department did everything wrong. That he thinks they did a great job. And he's like, I really regret that they said they had bad customer service. And was like, they should speak up or whatever. And I'm like, they did. Yeah. And also, we still haven't gotten to the worst part of what the police did. So just remember, there's more to come. The police, like, play a whole active role in this. Like, the family gets victimized from all directions. <laughs> so many directions. The hospital, the police, the murderers. It's a lot of things that are happening to these poor people. So at this point, they see the car. They listen to the story. Finally, the police are like, you know, I think a crime might have occurred here. And again, this is two weeks after the actual crime. And this is with a bajogandy lead that should have been be like, Hi, yeah, I'm a red flag. For real. Hello from me, the red flag. Finally, the police start to do some investigating. And they got DNA samples from the uh, supposed parents, Clarissa Figueroa and Peter Bobak, as well as the baby. And they subpoenaed hospital records. And this is when they start discovering this lady didn't have a baby. Yeah, this story isn't adding up. Wow. Meanwhile, another crazy turn of events got Marlon's family's hopes up again. Because while they're investigating this situation with Carissa, they have not told the family about this. Partially for reasons that kind of make sense and partially because they suck. Now, it takes time, obviously, for them to test this DNA. So they can't tell right away if this baby is Figueroa's or not. Meanwhile, someone found an abandoned newborn in a Chicago alley on May 7th, which is the same day police started to focus on Figueroa. Marlon's family rushed to the hospital to see this baby, all excited because they're being told that it might be Marlon's baby. Now, does it make sense why this baby was in an alley? Nope. Because if you stole Marlon to deliver a baby, why would you deli- dis- you know discard the baby? Leave it there, yeah. And they know that Marlon would never do this. But regardless, the authorities are like, maybe this is the missing baby. That could be true. So the family goes there and they do a DNA test. And of course they learn that's not Marlon's baby. That this, see, this other baby, who I had not find out what happened to this other baby. The other baby was someone else's baby. Based on the DNA though, authorities were able to confirm their suspicions that the baby that Figueroa said was hers 
did not belong to her and her boyfriend. Next, investigators got a search warrant for Figueroa's home, which they executed on May 14th, 2019, which, if you're counting, was about three weeks after the crime. Now, most people would assume that you would be done cleaning up your crime scene after three whole weeks of having a freebie from the cops. You would think so. Because the police have just been giving them bonus time. There's so much you can do in three weeks, Aaron. Yeah. I feel like a competent criminal could probably clean up the whole crime scene in three weeks. I would think so. Fortunately, these three suck. So when the police arrived, they found a surprising scene. And what can only be described as high comedy, Bobak, the boyfriend, was cleaning a rug with bleach in the backyard to remove Marlon's blood. At the time they were doing the search warrant? Like, literally, the police show up and he looks over as he's cleaning this rug with bleach. And then he just dropped it. When he saw the police, he just dropped it and sort of just, like, walked off. Just resigned to his fate. Wow. Yeah. So this was obviously a red flag, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Alert. Police also used luminol to find copious amounts of blood residue in the couple's home. So they're like, oh, look, there was a crime here. What do you know? Yeah. But the biggest piece of evidence was inside that trash can. Because tucked inside a trash bag, they found Marlon's body with the cord used to strangle her still around her neck. Wow. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, all of it's bad. I mean, there's no, there's, it, it's just bad. Like, first of all, it's horrible that these people put this poor lady in a trash can. Yep. Then it's also, I mean, that they murdered her and then they put her in the trash can. It's also horrible that they then left her in the trash can for three weeks. But at the same time, you're happy because you want them to go to jail. But then you're also like, who does that? And then you think to, about the police, you're like, I'm glad you found it, but also, You should have found that body a whole three weeks ago. Yep. Like, if the hospital would have called anyone, just anyone, even just a random person, and asked, hey, is this weird? Then that person could have called the cops. Because any normal, rational person would have realized that the situation was weird. Yep. If they had called like they should have, the police, ideally, could have gone and looked. Also... If the police had listened to the family and looked at the screenshots from Figueroa on day one, when the family says they supplied them, or when they opened the phone, then they could have said, wow, that's weird, and gone over to the house and been like, that lady has a baby, but she didn't deliver one. I wonder if we should look around here. And maybe they could have saved the family three weeks of heartache From chasing leads about babies to different hospitals. Multiple hospitals now they've had to go thinking that the baby's going to be there. And then, and that Marlon might be okay. Multiple leads they've had to follow. Scammers they've had to deal with. All of that could have been avoided if the police would have actually taken this case seriously and gone over to Figueroa's house and found her body that was still in that freaking trash can. Yep. I'm just saying. They could have solved this case a lot sooner. And yes, it wouldn't have brought Marlon back, but it would have given this family a lot more peace of mind than they received because this is just wrong. Like all those things they went through is terrible. And I will tell you when my mom passed, one of the people at her hospital lied to me on the phone. I have, you recall from my podcast about this, I had been diagnosed with COVID again, despite having 
all three shots that they have been allowed to let me have, including my booster shot, I got COVID again and I could not go to the hospital with my mom and I called up there and the freaking guy, his name is Hank and Hank, I hate you. Hank told me that my mom was in the ICU and that she was going to spend a couple of days in the ICU and they expected her to recover. But what Hank did not tell me is that my mom had actually passed away for 50 entire minutes in the ambulance and that for some dumbass reason, despite the fact that 50 minutes is way too damn long, they eventually got her resuscitated on life support and that she was brain dead. And Hank fucking knew that shit. And he still told me. And I thought my mom was going to get better for like two entire whole fucking days. Because my dad traveled home from business. So that they could tell him in person that she fucking was going to die. And I guess it was one day. It was one day. Because then we had to wait a second day to get the brain scan. And that's why she passed on the 31st. But... Still, it's fucking messed up and it really messed with me. And like, I have a, still have a lot of anger and resentment towards this Hank person, but also like thinking that things are going to get better and then they're not is, inc- is like worse. It's worse than just like not, that, like knowing that there's no hope. And so that this family spent three entire fucking weeks thinking that she might be okay and having these leads, having people call them. Having people tell them she's at the hospital, having people say, we found a baby, having people calling in saying, well, if you pay us, we'll give her back. That's traumatic and it's wrong. And it could have been easily prevented if either the hospital or the police had done any part of their job. Yep. Even like a little bit, just part of it, they could have avoided all this. And anyway, I'm pretty fired up as you probably maybe have noticed. Now, police allegedly also delayed notifying the family when they found Marlon's body because they didn't have any detectives who could speak Spanish to the family, who, if you recall, are not very proficient in English. Wow, they still can't find anyone to speak Spanish in the entire town of Chicago? Now, I have to tell you, the police department claims that they have lots of people who speak Spanish, including a whole detective who worked on this case, but had no explanation for why they were unable to communicate to the family in this situation. And this is where it gets, this is the worst thing in my opinion. Maybe not quite as bad, it's pretty bad, as them wait, letting them wait three weeks. But this is going to, just wait, just wait. You're going to want to not go to Chicago after this. Okay, so Marlon's father told the Chicago Tribune that the officer who finally came to inform them of their daughter's death came to the door. They had never met this man before in their life. They have no idea who he is. And he walked to the door, and when he saw Marlon's mother, Raquel, he said, Está muerta, and then just left. Wait, that's it? Yes. Está muerta. Wait, no explanation, no, no. introduction, no... No, no here's that's what the whole thing. No, we're no, on top no, of it. No, like, hi, I'm Detective Kevin. I'm Detective Asshole. No, está muerta, and then gone that sucks who that, that does sucks that so hard and again if you recall as we mentioned earlier there is there are translator apps we watch night day fiance a lot over here um at the bad axe household and they use app, apps all the time to translate are they good apps not usually i mean they do have their flaws but i feel like the app could translate yeah. like we have sadly found your daughter and she is deceased yeah. 
and we suspect that it is a homicide. You can't say homicidio. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I feel like you could do better. I feel like there are options here and it's possible for you to communicate. Yeah. I'm just saying. And then also, too, and this might be shocking, the family would be able to talk into the app as well. And it would translate that to English. And then you could have a conversation. Yeah. Is it ideal? No. But is it better than this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can get your point across. It's a lot better. It's much better than this. Yeah. You couldn't have at least used some kind of pronoun to, like, just something nicer. Like, it's just, just all of it is bad. Or said hi or at least Ray brought a cupcake. I don't know. Like, I don't know what, but not this. This yeah. is bad. So, again, later on, the, the police aren't was like, this was all a misunderstanding. We yeah. try really hard. And maybe you believe them. I don't know. Authorities arrested Clarissa Desiree and Peter Bobak for the crimes and took them in for interviews. During her interrogation, Desiree made a full confession on video. Meanwhile, Marlon's family learned of her horrible fate and rushed to the hospital to be at the baby's side. Marlon's partner, Giovanni Lopez, named the baby Giovanni Yadiel Lopez because that is what his mother wanted him to be named. That's what Marlon wanted him to be named. And although he survived the initial attack, he was clinging to life in a Chicago hospital. And I think it's still that same shitty-ass hospital. And there's a reason for that, because the hospital is really going to do even more shitty things. So prepare yourself. This is like, there are so many things that are happening in this. Like, I just, yeah. So Lopez told reporters that the baby needed a miracle to survive. Because if you recall, he had no brain activity. And that's not good. Yep. Now, the family had hope. And for over a month... He survived on life support and he did eventually open his eyes and they felt like he seemed to react to his father. Again, he did not have any brain waves being that were testing. So it, it, yeah. But although I will say he did look like a healthy baby in pictures. He was very cute. So I don't know how to interpret that, but eventually, you know, he did, his condition slowly deteriorated. I mean, he had, he had been deprived of oxygen for so long. It was just not a thing that was going to happen. And the miracle didn't come. And so the baby did die less than two months after his mother, Marlon. And he officially passed on June 14th, 2019. And the pain from this loss rippled through the family and the community. And as a note, I would like to say that I thought the baby survived when I picked this because initially he did live. So when I first found an article about this, it was like, the baby has survived. And I was like, awesome at least the baby survived like this whole story is tragic but the baby lived and then the baby didn't live and i was like really wow really like can this get any sadder it just keeps getting sadder after the baby's death the family held a candlelight vigil for him for the public to attend and in a horrible follow oh also i just want to say that after the candlelight vigil they actually brought lunch to the police officers as an act of kindness because they were like trying to suggest acts of kindness, like to in honor of Marlon and the baby to spread goodness in their community. And I was like, that is so like big of you. Like it just really says about how good of a character that the family has that they brought the police lunch because I would not have brought the police lunch. I would have been like, fuck you to the police because they let this linger for three weeks. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I mean, that's just terrible. 
But regardless, they are really good people. So that's what they did. Also, I just want to note, I did not say this earlier, but when they found out about the actual baby, like Marlon's real baby that was on life support, initially they didn't even get excited because they thought it was going to be another scam. And so they were like, okay, we'll do the DNA test, but we're not going to get our hopes up. Yeah. I mean, I guess also too, I don't know if you can get your hopes up when the baby's in ICU, but that's the situation. Yeah. In a horrible follow-up to this, this is where the hospital comes in again. Like, with another, like, why are you so shitty? They ended up sending a bill for three hundred over $300,000 for the baby's care after the brutal crime. Wait, it gets better. So, just to recap some things. Marlon was attacked and murdered. Her baby was cut out of her belly, which led directly to the baby's death. Because the baby would not have been on life support had it not been for the actions of this psychopath. But the family was on the hook by appearances not to mention that the hospital knew that something suspicious was going down with Carissa and they did not call the police so like the hospital also is a piece of shit and had victimized the family again to make this worse on these bills that they sent the family they listed the baby as Figueroa comma boy yes the Lopez baby instead of putting his name they put Figueroa comma boy the name of his kidnapper and, I'm sorry, alleged kidnapper and murderer. Wow. Yeah, that is the bill that this poor family received. And also, fun fact, the family, the hospital had actually told the family they would waive the costs. And then they sent the bill anyway. Good lord. Yes. Now, later are you, on. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. That's I mean, a, This is a real thing that well, happened. I mean, I know you're not kidding me, but like, yeah. just... Who does that? I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah. The family's lawyer, which they have to have because of all the shenanigans, pointed out that this was just a re-victimization of them because, first of all, they're getting this bill, which is horrific. And and they would eventually, the hospital would be like, oh, no, this was an oopsie. We regret this error. Right. Of course they do. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they, that's what they said. So the, the family ends up not having to pay. But also, that just getting that bill would be traumatizing. And also, the fact that they put the freaking murderer's alleged murderer's name on it. What is, what the, what the what now? I'm sorry, what? That's terrible. And, like, I get it that they provided a service. What? Uh, I mean, if you want to call it that. Because, like, again, I mean, let's look at their, their track record here of not telling the police about stuff. But... If anyone's paying this bill, it should be either Figueroa or some kind of victim fund. Like, the, the Lopez family should never have even heard of a bill, yep. much less seen a bill. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, they're literally, how can you bill someone for being a victim of a crime in the first place? Like, this is something we probably need to examine as a group if people are getting billed for this shit. Because that's messed up. Yeah. Like, no. That's a no. We're, no. Okay, so, leaving the hospital... Authorities charged Clarissa and Desiree Figueroa with first-degree murder, aggravated kidnapping, and dismembering a body in Marlon's death, and murder and aggravated battery of a child in the death of the baby. Prosecutors charged Peter Bobak with concealing a homicide and obstruction of justice. All three of them entered pleas of... Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Now, you're maybe wondering why, which I am, and I can't tell you why, because no one said that, because they haven't gone to trial yet. But I'm assuming they're going to try to plead that they are all insane, because 
I don't know how you're going to defeat this evidence. I mean, this dude was literally holding a rug, rinsing blood off of it with bleach when the police got there. How do you argue against that? There was a body in your trash can. How do you claim that you didn't do that? I mean, there's blood all over your house. You had the baby. There's pictures of you at the hospital posing with the baby that also has your name on the forms that you submitted. Like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, there's a whole huge pile of evidence. Yeah, I'm just people. like, I know that it's like, it's harder when we talk about alleged cases. Like, I try to avoid them. I end up falling into the alleged crime case all the time because I like newer cases. I don't want to talk about the same cases over and over and over again. But. I mean, come on, y'all. Yeah, for real. There's a whole, I mean. It's a mountain of How do you argue with this? They have to be trying to argue some kind of insanity. It's the only thing that That's the only thing that makes sense. Because, like, I get it. She probably is a little bit cray-cray. But she knew it was wrong because she she put her body in the trash can. She hid that. And she also, they didn't do it on the day that the boyfriend said he was going to call the police. They knew that it was wrong. There, you can't tell me they didn't know that shit was wrong. Don't try to lie to me, crazy people. They are just bad. Also, I'm trying to stop calling people crazy. But also, these two are mad. A judge denied the Figueroa's and Bobak bond, so they are still awaiting trial in jail. It, it does seem a, like part of me is like Bobak, the boyfriend the, that helped clean up, probably should have gotten a bond because he didn't do the murder. But I'm really not like that worried about it because screw that guy. Yeah. You should have told. In November 2019, Desiree Figueroa actually gave birth to her own baby in jail. And I don't know what happened to this baby, but I just wanted to include it. Back in September 2019, Cook County Judge Peggy Chiampas denied the defense's request for a decorum order, which is more widely known as a gag order. The defense claims that they needed a gag order because they wanted to ensure a fair trial. Because as you might have guessed, this this whole case blew up internationally. Because mostly just based on the horrific crime, not that many like places looked into the, the fact that the family endured all these traumas, but just the fact that somebody strangled a, a teenage a teenager and cut a baby out of her is just gruesome enough that this court, this case was everywhere. Yeah, and so they're like, well, our defendants are being called psychopaths and barbar you know barbarous horrific monsters everywhere. How will they get a free, a fair trial? And I'm like, well, one, not everyone reads the news. There's a few people. It's Chicago. They'll find some people that don't know what's going on. That's true. And second of all, maybe y'all shouldn't have done this. Like, I know that people are presumed innocent, and I'm not trying to say that people are not wrongly convicted because it happens a lot. I actually think we're going to start doing wrongly convicted cases regularly so we could talk about that. But in this case, I'm sorry. Yeah. Think what you will, but there's a lot of evidence here. As of March 2022, the Figueroas and Bobak are still awaiting trial as far as I could find. And that is because their trial and hearings have been delayed multiple times due to the pandemic. There was actually just a whole update article about the fact that the family was upset because the trial just keeps getting delayed. Because, like, the hearings themselves were delayed because this this happened in April 2019. And so... They had had a lot of stuff scheduled for 2020. All that got delayed. And so the trial itself keeps getting delayed because of the hearings have to happen before the trial. So that is what is happening with the case. We will keep you updated. Following the crime, Figueroa's adult twin daughters disowned their mother and their sister Desiree, saying that they cannot forgive them for what they did. And one of the daughters actually met the baby before the whole, like, police discovery and thought it was her brother, which I feel like is super traumatic. Can you imagine going to a NICU and thinking that your baby brother was on life support? 
Yeah, that'd be And awful. then finding out that your mom was a murderer who stole that baby, alleged murderer, who st- allegedly stole that baby that you were holding thinking that was your brother. That's awful. It's just so messed up. And, like, these daughters already had trust issues with their mom because the twins say that she was neglectful and unstable. And so they both moved out early. One of them actually had her own first baby at 16 and had been supporting herself since then. So she wasn't close with her mom when all this happened. But despite that, they've been getting death threats from people who knew about, who knew that they were related to her and threats against their their own kids, which is terrible because, like, they don't even, like, like their mom and sister, which is just sad. So they've, like, totally cut her off and have essentially said that even if their mom, if she's put in jail or whatever happens, they're not going to any of this stuff and they're like, this is the end for us. Yeah, for real. Both Marlon's family and the community are remembering her. She was very well loved. And on November 1st, 2021, the community actually put together a large Dia de los Muertos, our Day of the Dead celebration in Chicago to remember the mother and son. It's been called one of the biggest celebrations. That's really touching. Um, yeah, it is really touching. And it's just beautiful that they've, they've actually done kind of a lot to remember her. And considering that the pandemic happened and they had to do this safely, it really says a lot that they've been able to do so much because they also, in May 2021, Marlon's family held a diapers and wipes drive and giveaway and like collected diapers, wipes, and also food that was donated. I think it was donated. And they gave it away to benefit mothers in need. And they have, they actually call this drive slash giveaway the Lopez Project. And the goal is to keep Marlon's memory alive, but also to help these mothers because they believe that if Marlon had had more access to baby supplies, that she wouldn't be as vulnerable to predators like Figueroa. And if you, if you really keep track of a lot of these cases where babies are stolen from mother's stomachs, a lot of times they start out with someone who's going to get inexpensive baby stuff. Either a giveaway or someone selling things for very cheap and it's a mother who doesn't have a lot of economic resources and she's just trying to support her baby. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like to make judgments against people because they maybe don't have as much money to do these things, but that's not relevant. Like, regardless of how you feel about the situation, this baby is coming. And do you want it to not have diapers? Like, I don't know what your plan is here. So... It doesn't make sense for you to, like, purposefully make people suffer and make babies suffer just because maybe you think that someone should have made a different decision. That's not your business. Like, this is this is this person's life, and this is a baby. Mm-hmm. So maybe help the baby. There you go. Marlon's family is also fine to pass Marlon's law. I don't think this is going to pass, and it'll make sense why. It would require women who say they've delivered a baby at home to provide DNA proof that the baby belongs to them. And that sounds like a good idea at first. Like, at first I was all like, yeah, that makes total sense. Because there's so many situations where these crazy psychos, like, cut babies out of people. And they're like, this is my baby. What are you talking about? The problem is, though, is that it takes away the right of other people to have home births. And that's not cool either. So That's true. I think it's a hard situation because, like, at first when you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, like, we should totally do that. And then I was like, no, because, like, there's a lot of people who, not a lot, but, like, there are definitely people who have home births. And sometimes they do that very safely. And, it's you know, it's their choice. Like, we shouldn't be limiting someone's choice to do that. If they're, you know, 
doing that safely. So I don't think that's gonna necessarily work out, but I can see where they're coming from. And then finally, the there is a local artist named Milton Coronado who created a mural to honor Marlon and her son, and they'll never be forgotten in the community, ideally. Good. It's really sad this family lost two important members, and also, I just want to say it's completely awful and disgusting that they had to suffer even more at the hands of both the police and this hospital, because that is just so much... Like, I don't know how you take a crime that's already despicable, and then you just add all this other stuff, and I'm like, this family deserves better. Like, what is wrong with y'all? Yeah, this is a really terrible case. Yeah, a call to action to be better. And again, yes, the police spokesman is like, oopsie, we didn't do anything wrong. Like, we just misunderstood. There were misunderstandings in this case. Whose fault is that? Yeah, I don't know that you can call this a misunderstanding. Like, this is way beyond that. I feel like they forgot what they were supposed to do. Like, you're not just there to be, to have a job or to, like, arrest people or shoot unarmed black people. Like, that's not all of your job. Like, actually, part of that is things that you should not be fucking doing. But, yeah, so apparently they're able to do that, but they're not able to talk to a family. In Spanish. Yeah, like, who would have thought it? So, I don't know why I'm shocked about this, but, yeah. Especially because the Chicago police in particular does not have a good reputation. Let us know what you think about this case. I did recently, it has been brought to my attention that our website does not have a place for comments. And I've been assuming people could leave a comment on social media, but have been being bad about not posting because I've been kind of overwhelmed with my life, with all my grieving and whatnot. So, I will try to do at least that. And I'm working on getting comments on the website because I feel like that would be helpful. That could be good. But if you do have a comment, hopefully we can talk about it on social media. Also, we do have that Patreon at patreon.com backslash badxpod. There's a lot of other cases there you can go listen to. We have social media that I forgot to tell you about last week. You can follow us at badxpod. We're on everything, including TikTok. Also, we have an email you can email us at. It's badxpod at gmail.com. I need to clean up the email because I'm getting so many spams now from different newspapers that I've had to sign up for that... It's like burying actual emails (laughs) from people. And I'm like, oh, like the Denver Post has gotten out of control. But you know who who emails me even more than Denver Post? The New York one. I think it's the New York Post. But it might be the... Oh, no, I think it's the Daily News. Mm, I think it's the New York Daily News. It's one of them. One of them emails me constantly now. It might, might be the New York Times. I can't remember. But I had to sign up for one of them. And it emails me nonstop. And it's like they're clickbaity emails, too, because they get me. They get me more often than they should. We also have a website. Aaron, would you like to tell them about the website? Yeah, our website is awesome. You'll love it. It's badxpod.com. Please go and check it out. I actually realized the other day that our, our website needs, like, a lot of work. It's, like, it's pretty, but it's not that. It doesn't do that many things. And also, I haven't updated it in a long time, and I feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> So I don't think it's even accurate for right now. <laughs> I was like, well, I think it's a kick-ass <laughs> website. Well, thanks. All right. Well, this episode has gone kind of long, and also I'm sure everyone is feeling kind of traumatized, like I am right now over this case. I just hope that the family gets justice, and hopefully that happens finally, and also that this has some kind of positive outcome. It sounds like the family has already made sure that the that the community is being helped by having these drives drives and then also too hopefully this inspires the chicago police department to treat people better and to actually try to to speak and translate and communicate 
with people who don't necessarily speak English as a first language. Absolutely. Because this is, I feel like in this country, that's what we should be doing. We're a melting pot, not a douche pot. I don't. Yep, absolutely. It's not a classy saying, but. (laughs) It works. But that's what our goal should be. All right. Well, we will see you very soon. Have good weeks. And let us know. If you have a case suggestion, you just drop a line. I, I do try to avoid really big ones, like ones that are like super popular and get talked about a lot. But, it, I mean, let me know what's up, and I'll check it out. And we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.